There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of The Bing Crosby Show and The Railroad Hour with Gordon McRae. Two great shows today with wonderful sound. The Railroad Hour is going to be uh, Connecticut in King Arthur's Court. Um, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Um, just a fun uh, piece that uh, I, I always enjoy this one, so I think you'll like it. And like I say, the sound quality is really nice. The Bing Crosby show has actor Paul Douglas on it. And Paul Douglas had a wonderful career in film that basically started in the 30s but really took off in the 40s and also was in a lot of TV shows, all the dramatic TV shows um, like Studio One and so forth in the 1950s. But he's really, unfortunately, mostly known for how he died. He was uh, had sort of a Twilight Zone ending to his life. He actually was on Twilight Zone filming the episode The Mighty Casey, and they finished filming, and then a day later he died. Um, th here's what uh, Rod Serling had to say about it. Serling had his reservations about Douglas. He had a reputation for being a heavy, heavy on the bottle, but it had been somewhat disp dispelled over the last two or three years. And his recent uh, agent guaranteed us that he would not drink or was not drinking during that time. Anyway, we, we look at the first day's rushes and Paul Douglas looks even in black and white mottled. High color, semi-diffuse, a breath so short that he couldn't continue one short staccato sentence without gasping for breath. So right away, I make the assumption that he's drunk. He's drinking, and I blew my top and called his agent, and I said, This is very unethical of you. You assured me that he wasn't drinking. His agent said, To the best of my knowledge, he's not drinking. Well, we finished the show, and it was a disaster. We finished shooting, I think, on uh, Thursday, and Saturday morning, Douglas was dead. What... What he had been suffering, of course, was an incipient coronary, and we were watching him literally die in front of us. Well, we did a rough cut of the film, and I took it over to CBS and said to them, Well, gentlemen, this is one substantial piece of celluloid you're going to have to eat, because there's nothing funny about this show. And they looked at it, and they allowed that it wasn't the funniest thing. They, had, um, they didn't feel they could afford the additional money to get another actor to shoot around and put in uh, the new stuff. 
So Serling out of pocket spent $27,000 to recast and reshoot uh, with Jack Warden replacing uh, Paul Douglas. And that episode is the one that aired. And it wasn't horrible. It wasn't great. But it wasn't a complete disaster. And that's due to Serling uh, putting up the, the additional money. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see the version with Paul Douglas. But I think those uh, all that piece has been destroyed as far as I know. And it's too bad for a person to go out the way he did. Uh, it's too bad that they didn't catch it and do something. But back then, I don't know if there was that much they could have done anyway. So, uh, without further ado, here is Paul Douglas, a wonderful actor um, in the prime of his career at this point. And uh, I hope you're going to enjoy it. And Bing Crosby, of course, and Gordon McRae's wonderful Ray Ra Hour. And we'll see you next time. Chesterfield. Good evening, folks. A big hello. We're here to start the Crosby Show. Before you do another thing, take this tip from Brother Bing. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it. Today. Someone Welcome you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed at the Marines Memorial Theater in San Francisco, with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the mayors and Bing's guests, Paul Douglas and Helen O'Connell. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from San Francisco in sun-drenched California, we bring you Bing Crosby in a rowboat. Just a second, Ken. I'll throw out the hook yeah, here. Now, toss me that rope there, and I'll tie you up here to the microphone. Say, Ken, I got word from down south this morning that Los Angeles is so far underwater, they're thinking of running Captain Carlson for mayor. A <laughs> <laughs> great man for the job. Oh, he'll stick well, with the L.A. <laughs> You boys had a pretty rough time at your uh, golf tournament down at uh, Pebble Beach, too, oh, no, didn't you? no, on the contrary, Ken, it was lovely at Pebble Beach. Cloudless sky, balmy breezes, always terrific weather there. What you won't say to sell your house. No. <laughs> oh, no, Ken, my house is off the market. Off the market? Off the mainland, too. <laughs> When last seen, it was floating in the general direction of Oahu. <laughs> Lucky there's a real estate agent aboard. He'll probably sell it over there, I hope. So getting back to uh, the golf tournament, uh, Bing, Jimmy DeMarit played wonderfully well. Yes, he did. Bob Hope played wonderfully well. Oh, pardon me. That's your line, Ken. <laughs> That's all right. Not with me, it isn't all right. <laughs> <laughs> did you play in the tournament, Bing? I couldn't. Couldn't play this year, Ken. I had to follow Hope around the course. Oh, carrying his clubs? Carrying his plasma. <laughs> Not a very nice way to talk about your house guest. I wish he was in it. <laughs> every time I... Every time I'm around Hope, if it's only for a few days, I discover something new about it. Uh, what's the latest? Well, I wouldn't want over 30 or 40 million people to hear about this, but uh, the boy's light-fingered. 
This kid's a klepto. Oh, now, Bing, don't be silly. I'm on the level. I got proof. What proof? Well, when he left my place the other morning, I happened to ask him what time it was, and he said, do you want to know by your watch or mine? <laughs> He's a human claw machine. That's what he is. <laughs> grab, grab. Say, that was a wonderful shot that Bill Holly made down there, wasn't it? Oh, you mean that full three iron that Bill sank out of the sand trap on the last hole to win the whole tournament, too. Spectacular shot. I want to let you in on a little secret, Ken. What's that? I was betting on the team that finished second, and Holly's shot cost me a pretty penny. Yeah, that's the Bill Holly that's your district manager for your made orange juice here, isn't it? Well, he's now hustling French fried almonds at Paso Robles. (laughs) now, Bing. Oh, I see. Sing a little. I better do it, too, huh? Yeah. The opening selection is a bright pop tune called Slowpoke. Arthur Godfrey's had great success with this. Also, Helen O'Connell, our guest. John? You keep me waiting till it's getting aggravating. You're a slowpoke. I wait and worry, but you never seem to hurry. You're a slowpoke. Time means nothing to you. I wait and then you're late again. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, a quarter to ten. Why should I linger every time you snap your finger, little slowpoke? Why can't you hasten when you see the time's a-wasting? You're a slowpoke, my dear. Why should I keep trying to change you? It's not the thing to do. I guess I'll have to learn to be a slowpoke, too. I linger every time you snap your finger, little slowpoke. Why can't you hasten when you see the time's a waste and you're a slowpoke, my dear? Why should I keep trying to change you? It's not the thing to do. I guess I'll have to learn to be a slowpoke, too. I guess I'll have to learn to be a slowpoke, too. Tonight I want to talk to the folks in over 1,250 towns and cities where our show is heard. Pretty soon now, you'll hear me talking about Chesterfield sales increasing in your hometown, just as they are increasing fast in Chicago, Miami, and up in my hometown of Spokane, and places all over the country. There are just two big reasons why this is going on. Chesterfields are much milder, and they give you the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. To prove it, smoke them. Sound off for Chesterfield. Try a pack today. Folks, one of your favorite singers joins us here in San Francisco tonight. Musical cognoscenti will recall with pleasure her great vocals when she was with the Jimmy Dorsey Orchestra. Since that time, she's become the mother of three children, and she's now back in show business doing a great single in nightclubs, 
the whole theaters and on the records and the television. We welcome then Miss Helen O'Connor. Helen, you know, when we have a singing star like you on the show, we think it's real smart to let them do one of their big recordings. Well, I'm eager to comply with the policy of the house. Well, what's the current best-selling platter you got out there? A little hillbilly lament called Anytime. Anytime. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know it well and love it. Would you do it? Sure. Fine. Anytime you're feeling lonely Anytime you're feeling blue Anytime you feel downhearted That will prove your love for me is true Anytime you're thinking about me That's the time I'll think of you Anytime you say you want me back again That's the time I'll come back home to you every moment of it. Now, folks, I'd like to have you meet an old pal of mine. This boy's recently returned from a trip to Korea, where he and his charming wife, Jan Sterling, and others entertained our troops. The very popular motion picture star, the hard-boiled softy himself, Paul Douglas. Hey. Oh, thank you, Bing. You must have had some exciting experiences over there, huh, Paul? What was the yeah. most dangerous trip you made? Well, coming up here on the train last night. <laughs> No, no, you're kidding, because I understand the lock couldn't get out of Los Angeles last night. It did, too. We got clear to Glendale. <laughs> Just think of that. Despite the heavy storm, the lock got clear to Glendale, huh? There, we switched the submarine. Mm. <laughs> the scenic route. Yes, but it's nice here, though. Well, this is but a temporary respite, Paul. Any day now, you may see Winston Churchill floating down Market Street all by himself. <laughs> but me, but former me. naval person, you know. Yes, indeed. Well, here I may ruin my career, but I'm going to stick my neck out and ask... Why Churchill may be floating down Market Street all by himself? Elementary, my boy. After all, he came here to float alone, didn't he? Oh! That's an exact... 
exhausted gag. Oh, bully. That was bully for you, Bing. It's jokes like that that sell new sets. Radio? Television. (laughs) Glad to help. Anyway, we did our share of selling radio sets back in the old days, didn't we, Paul? Oh, is it so? You know, I was just thinking, isn't it to you that you were the announcer on the first radio program I ever did in New York? That's absolutely right. Now, never forget that day. Oh, Oh, gee. I looked out in the waiting room, and there you were, sitting on your brother Everett's lap. (laughs) I thought it was a ventriloquist with a dummy. Well, it's... My first trip to the big city, Paul I, I did have a rather bug-eyed look And those ears oh, I just couldn't believe they no were cracks, real No cracks <laughs> Wait a minute my, my ears weren't so big then, Paul It's just that my head was smaller uh, Well, success does that to all of us But uh, more to you than to me, huh? <laughs> hey? I refuse to be modest I'm a hit, I know it, and I love it I... <laughs> and Thank you as long as you're happy, I guess it doesn't matter what the public thinks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but to get back to that very first radio broadcast you ever did, do you realize how long ago that was? No, I, I don't recall. Kind of touchy about your age, eh? <laughs> I wouldn't touch it with a ten-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> That's no reason for you to hide your age, being after all it's common knowledge that your social security number is number three. <laughs> how do you know that? Minus four. <laughs> You know, Bing, uh, this is really amazing. Standing here talking about when we started out in radio. Yep. Radio's kind of an old-fashioned word, Paul. Let's refer to it as uh, pictureless television. Pictureless. <laughs> Can that be kinder? Yes. Perhaps the folks listening would like to know that on your first broadcast, Marconi held your music. Uh, but, uh, yeah, wait a minute, though. It wasn't the Marconi that invented the wireless. That was uh, The fellow that held my music was a fellow named Sam Marconi. Ran a pizza palace across the street from the station. <laughs> you know, Sam? What a restaurant that was But Bing, how come Sam came up to the studio with you for the broadcast? Well, don't you remember? When I got paid, he got paid Oh, yeah Had to have it Yeah, remember that red wine Sam used to serve with a pizza? Oh, do I? One night I ate my hat and wore a pizza home (laughs) You're lucky it was a seven and three-eighths pizza (laughs) I I still have cheese in my hair Take anything you can get. <laughs> Don't think I won't. <laughs> you know something, Bing? Uh, in those days, I did 12 radio shows every week, and all I got paid was $14. Only 14 bucks for 12 shows? Times sure have changed. I'll say tonight I'm making that much for only one performance. <laughs> I, I don't forget my old friends. Ah, uh, you're good, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. <laughs> it's a warm spot for you, Paul. But getting back to your first radio broadcast, Bing, you were really a nervous kid. Well, I was frightened. Also broke. That'll never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that day I walked into the radio station, all I had in my pocket was a return trip bus ticket back to Spokane, in case I didn't make good. <laughs> Well, don't give up. Give yourself another year, and if nothing happens, go home. <laughs> I'll keep punching, Paul. You know, we've been standing there yakking about the first broadcast we did, and I think it might be interesting if, if we sort of reenacted what took place on that fateful day. Well, huh? it would be interesting. To you and me, that is. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> as I recall, I opened the door of the studio. You looked at me as if I was something the cat dragged in. Yeah, that sure was a strong cat, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I remember you tapped... I tapped you on the shoulder, you remember? Mm-hmm. And I said... Hi, mister. Can you use a singer? Get lost, kid. After all, I'm Paul Douglas, the famous radio announcer. Golly, Paul Douglas. May I have your autograph, sir? Certainly. 
put it on here. Okay. Hey, you know, it's a little messy writing on a pizza. <laughs> Why don't you turn it over right on the crust? Listen, kid, you'll take my autograph any way you get it. Yes, sir. Now, if you're a singer, let me hear you sing something. Well, all right. What in the world is that? I'm just loosening up. You sound like you're falling apart. Well, you gonna give me a job? Yeah, I think we can use you around here. Oh, joy, really? Yep, the street cleaner's looking for a caddy. The street who? Correction. You gonna promote joy, really? Oh. Oh, double joy, really? Yep, the street singer is looking for a caddy to carry his accordion. <laughs> Let me tell you something, kid. Your voice ain't bad. Isn't bad. Don't correct me. I'm the one that's working. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I may give you a break. I think I'll let you sing a song on the air today. Now, what's your name, bub? H.L. Crosby, the songbird of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, that's no good. You got a nickname? Well, everybody back in Spokane calls me Bing. Bing. That's mm -hmm. a little corny, too. Have you got any songs with you? Well, yes, I, I have several selections here. I have the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Oh, that's very big now. And I have uh, Beautiful Ohio. I wish you were there. <laughs> and I have a very nice novelty song called When You Walked Out With Your Shoes On, I Knew You Were Gone For Good. Do me a favor. Go back to Spokane, will you? Say, I, I know a song I could sing. Do you know In My Merry Oldsmobile? How does it go? It doesn't go. You have to start it. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. Now, listen, you dimwit. Yes, sir. Now, watch that red light over there. Yes, when it sir. goes on, we'll be on the air. Mm -hmm. Sing right into the microphone and don't say hello to your mother. No. And watch out for that cord and for heaven's sake, don't... How do you do, friends? How do you do? Friends, you're in for a real treat this afternoon because you will meet a sparkling new personality on the program today. Folks, here is the newest comet to zoom across the theatrical horizon, the sophisticated song, Bing Crosby. Hello. Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> Pull yourself together. I'm, I'm nervous. For, for his first song, Mr. Crosby has chosen to sing that nationwide favorite in my merry Oldsmobile. Oh, come on, let's have the song. I forgot how it goes. It doesn't go, you have to start oh, it. I'm Bing, boy. Here's a little tip for you. This program goes clear to Detroit, and if you sing My Merry Oldsmobile real good, perhaps the Oldsmobile people will hire you to sing for them on the radio. Oh, wonderful. Here I go. Come away with me, Lucille, in my merry Oldsmobile. Down the road of life we'll fly, automobubbling you and I to the church we'll swiftly steal then our wedding bells will peal you can go as far as you like with me in my merry Oldsmobile come away with me Lucille come away with me Lucille in my merry Oldsmobile in my 
a merry Oldsmobile. Down the road of life we'll fly. Hot to move bubbling, you and I. To the church we'll swiftly steal. To the church we'll swiftly steal. And our wedding bells will be. You can go as far as you like with me in my merry Oldsmobile. What a happy pair without a single care. Merry Oldsmobile. What a grand machine that double feature key. Merry Oldsmobile. That's about what happened on my first radio broadcast. Yep, and to this day, he hasn't heard from the Oldsmobile people. <laughs> but I still have a light burning in the window, Paul. Well, while we're in this sort of an old song mood here tonight, I think I'll continue with another old favorite called Ida. Just for this occasion, John Scott Trotter's assembled a great group of Dixieland artists here for this number. We got Red Nichols on the trumpet, Matty Matlack on the clarinet, Buddy Cole piano, Perry Bodkin the guitar, Country Washburn tuba, Dave Harris on the tenor sax, and, uh, oh, Ted Besley on the trombone. Oh, and Nick Fatool over there on the drums. Now, in the second chorus of this number, you'll uh, hear a cornet break. This is the identical break that Red Nichols played on his famous record made in 1927 for the uh, Brunswick people. My singing style fits in nicely with 1927, so I think I'll essay the vocal. <clears throat> Ready? A one, a two... <gasps> Ida, sweet as apple cider Sweeter than all I know Come on out in the silvery moonlight Of love will whisper We'll whisper soft and low And it seems as though I can't live without you Listen, oh my honeydew I you know I idolize because I love you, Ida, baby, did I do? Because I love you, 
Selling a few Chesterfields with me. Selling? You yeah. call what you really? You call what you do selling? Certainly. You, well, you let people off too easy. How do you mean? Well, you gotta get tough, like I was when I sold Chesterfields. Make them remember what you say. Beat them over the head. Really, Paul? I don't understand you. Oh, don't you really? No. Well, you start sound off, Bing, and I'll show you what I mean. Okay. Enjoy your smoking all the way. Change to Chesterfields today. Go on, your lugs, do what he said. What's the matter? You got rocks in your head? Get Chesterfield. 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 Milder, 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 milder Chesterfield. That's right. Yes, get the smoke that gives you more. Get moving to your dealer store. Oh, he means it, folks. You better run. Yeah, hurry or I'll slug you on. Now, here's what we want you to do. Right now. Here's what you'd better do right now. Sound off for Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today. Hey. Folks, what Bing and I want to get across to everyone in America is Chesterfields are much milder, just like they've always been. Chesterfield gives you the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. Oh, and Paul, another thing, let's not forget to tell them that it's backed up by a leading research organization. Well, then what are they waiting for, Bing? Come on, everybody. Sound off for Chesterfield and do it today. Right. I say, he's right. <laughs> You're darn tootin' me. Say, here's a new song by Victor Young. You know Victor Young that wrote Sweet Sue and My Foolish Heart and Pearls on Velvet and Stella by Starlight. The lyrics by Jack Elliott. <clears throat> You're a weaver of dreams You and your strange fascination You're a weaver of dreams You and your come-hither smile Just to hear you speak can leave me weak as a babe in arms Poor little babe in arms Helpless before your charms For you're a weaver of dreams You and your lips warm and tender Just like magic it seems Thrilling, enchanting me too I'm in your spell and there's no cure, I'm lost for sure Cause you're a weaver of dreams and I'm in love with you And your lips warm and tender 
just like magic it seems, thrilling, enchanting me too. I'm in your spell, there's no cure, I'm lost for sure, cause you're a weaver of dreams, and I'm in love with you. Well, that's the closer for tonight. Now, thanks to Helen O'Connell and Paul Douglas for braving the storm, making their way to San Francisco to help us tonight. Well, say, Bing, I want to thank you, too. You know, the last time I was up here to, on a show with you, you gave me some singing lessons. Well, we're always glad to assist in any way we can. I hope they, they stood you in good stead, Paul. Oh, they did. They really did. You know, over in Korea, I sang one of your big favorites, White Christmas. Oh, really? How'd it go for you? Oh, big hit. They cheered. I couldn't get away. Held over, huh? No, snowed in. Oh, <laughs> that's a... That's got to get it for now. I will rendezvous with you next Wednesday night. Meanwhile, like Paul Douglas said, what are you waiting for? Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. <laughs> for the first time, you'll get the cigarette that's much milder with the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. <laughs> Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in San Francisco by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Bob Burns and Patty Page. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the rousing Rudolph Frimmel operetta, The Three Musketeers. Starring Gordon McRae and his charming guest, Dorothy Warren Show. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we're going back to the adventurous days of Louis XIII. Dorothy Warren shoulders the lovely lady-in-waiting, Constance. And my name is D'Artagnan. And may I present... 
Monsieur Porthos. At your service. Monsieur Athos. Monsieur Medal. Monsieur Aramis. Your humble servant. And do you know who we are? We are the Musketeers. Oh, dashing Musketeers. Stout comrade Musketeers. Mount the right side by side. Sack a town or ride a foeman down as one for all and all for one. We stand up all united. We are the musketeers, old dashing musketeers, stone covered musketeers. Come what may, stand up all. began when I first came to Paris, a very young recruit from Gascony, and I stumbled right on to the Three Musketeers. Uh, well, trust Porthos, uh, how can such a fat man duel so magnificent? Are we not musketeers, and what is a musketeer's duty? To fight, to love, to live, and the devil take Richelieu's guards. <laughs> we do not take them first. Gentlemen. Musketeers. Well, Lady Constance. Oh, my dear friends. Athos the melancholy, Portus the portly one, and Aramis the heartbreaker. Uh, dear Constance, you must choose one of us. Yes, tell us. What kind of a man do you wish to marry? What kind of man? Well, someone attractive, gallant and active, daring, forbearing. She's thinking of me. Thank you. 
we shall fight for you to be the he. Indeed, we shall fight. Stop, gentlemen. Stop, please, I beg you. Do not fight among yourselves. The lady ordered you to stop. Uh, idiot! You've knocked the very blade from my hand. And you walked on my feet. And ripped my cape. Who are you that you dare to stumble on us like that? My name is D'Artagnan. I am from Gascony. And I have come to Paris to become a musketeer. Well, you've made a bad beginning. Young Sprout, I challenge you to a duel. I accept. Only because I am the best swordsman in France. Behind the Luxembourg at noon. Agreed. Sir, you have equally insulted me. I challenge you to a duel. Behind the Luxembourg at one. He won't be alive to be present. As for me, you've insulted both my feet and me. Behind the Luxembourg at two. Very convenient. It is where I live. Good. It is where you will die. Come, musketeers, to your duties. Oh, monsieur, you should not have accepted their challenges. They are the musketeers, the best swordsmen in France. Oh, the second best. Thank you for your concern, Mistress... Uh... Constance. Constance. Lovely name for a lovely girl. Ah, he's romantic, too. I guess. I'm not only the greatest swordsman in France, but the greatest lover. Ah, you are not the most modest man in France, monsieur. Well, I have been taught to speak frankly. And Mistress Constance, in Gascony, when we see a girl who is more beautiful than any we've ever seen before, we do this. We take her hand. Yes. We look into her eyes. Yes. And then we say... Marvel, you are so charming, I'm enchanted with you. Marvel, Marvel, your eyes are daring me and thrilling me too. Every smile invites me. Tantalizing, whispering, wake me, come and take me. Marvel, marvel, forever I shall stay beneath your spell. I'll be my whole life through, adoring you. I must see you again. 
tell me where and when. Oh, monsieur, you must not duel with the three musketeers. They will kill you. I am honored and thrilled at your concern, Mistress Constance. But there are only two things I wish in life. Love of a good woman and the chance to become one of the king's musketeers. Only by proving I am their equal can I become one of them. So I see. I didn't expect all three of you at once. But uh, there may not be enough of me to go around. We're each other's seconds. We'll take you on one at a time. No. Why not let me fight all three of you at once? Sir, you're a brave young man. And if you survive my sword, I shall be most happy to make your acquaintance. Thank you. Monsieur Porthos, you are first. <laughs> Boy, I like your spirits. What a pity I have to annihilate you. Olga! Stop! I order you to stop dueling in the name of his eminence, Richard. you that gone! Take those red-coated dummies with you. You insult my men. We challenge you. Just a moment, Shazak. Surely even you wouldn't attack three men with your five. There are four of you. This young Gascon, he's no musketeer. I feel like a musketeer. Retire, young sprout, and save your skin. I'd rather stay and puncture Monsieur Jusac. Very well, Jusac. It's three and a half to five. Ongas, musketeers, let's serenade them with our motto as they die. <laughs> We're all for one, and each of us for and none. D'Artagnan, your view nobly. would like to become your friend. And I! Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, thank dear heaven. Oh, you are still alive. What's this? Constance, such concern for us. Oh, you're not dead, Monsieur D'Artagnan. I thought you would be lost. Ah, uh, this is the he for her. Five, dear lady. My eyes are still open. I'll be looking only at you. Find you. I 
loves me. Oh, how can I fail? All I wish in life now is to become a musketeer. Perhaps one day you shall wear our uniform. May we say there is hope. Thank you, my friends. On hope, a man lives. I have read history and I've heard tales of brave men, but none were like the musketeers. A score of heroes there have been with quite a claim to name and fame. Still in fight, and in a fight, and long in song, with fervent admiration, poets have extolled their doings bold. Very bold, so recalled, were those men of old. And yet, to one and all, they seem small, do these men of whom one hears. True for you, true for you. Placed beside the king's own musketeers. We are the musketeers. Oh, dashing musketeers. Stop on their musketeers. Bound to ride side by side, true and side. We Sack a town or ride a bowman down as one for all and all for one. We stand up all united. We are the musketeers, oh, dashing musketeers. Stop, come and musketeers. Come what may, stand up all, all for one and one for the second act of The Three Musketeers in just a moment. Last week and on several previous occasions, we discussed on this program how important it is to all of us that our railroads receive adequate revenues. Revenues that today can come only from freight rates which are in keeping with current prices and the higher cost of doing business. Because railroad freight charges enter into the price of virtually everything you buy, you might think that freight rates constitute a much larger part of the cost of things than they do. As a matter of fact, railroad freight rates are a very small percentage of the cost of most commodities. According to calculations based on studies by the Bureau of Transport Economics and Statistics of the Interstate Commerce Commission, 
the total amount collected by the railroads in freight charges averages less than six cents out of each dollar of the wholesale value at destination of all the commodities moved by rail. And, of course, when it comes to retail prices, freight charges represent a still smaller proportion, probably no more than three or four cents on the dollar. Because their operating costs have gone up so much farther and faster than their revenues, the railroads have found it necessary to ask the Interstate Commerce Commission for authority to increase freight rates a little more than 7% above present rate levels. But that would not mean a like percent of increase in average prices. It would mean only an increase in those 3 or 4 cents out of each dollar of retail prices which are represented by railroad freight charges so that the increase would be, on the average, only about one-third of one cent in each dollar of retail prices. If freight rates are such as to enable the railroads to meet today's costs and to continue their progress in efficiency and economy through improvements in their facilities, the resulting increase would hardly be noticeable in the prices you pay. But it would mean that the industry in which we all have such a big stake could go ahead with its expansion and improvement program a program essential to meet the transportation needs of commerce and national defense. Now here is Act Two of the Lawrence and Lee version of Rudolph Frimmel's The Three Musketeers, starring Gordon McRae as D'Artagnan and Dorothy Warrenshold as the lovely Constance. My friends, the Musketeers, Milady the Queen is in great danger. We live to serve her. Tell us, Constance. Tell us what we can do. Richelieu has discovered letters of the Queen's in England. Letters such as any girl writes when she is young. But the Queen is a woman now. She loves France. She loves the King. Then what value have the letters? Richelieu plans to use them to split the royal family, to split all of France, and, and thus come to power himself. One of us will go to England. We will get the letters and destroy them. Richelieu's guards wait like rats at the wharves. Any of you who try to leave France will be killed. Then I shall go. Richelieu does not know my face. Not yet. Oh, no, D'Artagnan. We will never see you again. We will all go together. One for all. All for one. I will go alone. No, not alone. My oldest friend will go with me. My sword will clear my way. them pay, who's afraid or who will face a blade that brings you blood, death, and judgment day, who dares my will defy, rats your ramble here is my reply, we stand alone, we can defend my own, we live to fight, love, my sword and noise. Who dare my will defy? Grant your rattle, here's my reply. We stand alone, we can defend my own. We live to fight, love, my sword and mine. You are a brave man. There is danger for you here, Milady Constance. If Richelieu knows you plot against him... We must each go down dangerous paths, dear friend. I shall remember the look in your eyes. That memory will make me brave. 
And the look in your eyes, dear Constance, will make me invincible. with him, aren't you? Oh, yes, Porthos. Even your Constance, for love is the law of the universe. Listen. young Sprout of Calais and raced him back here in the fastest carriage. We knew there would be uh, somebody waiting. Mistress Constance, may I report that the work is accomplished. The deed is done. Her Majesty the Queen is safe. Musketeers, about face! This young Sprout has some more work to do. Oh, Marble, Marble! Your Majesty. Rise, Monsieur d'Artagnan. I've heard from my musketeers of your service to our country. They asked that I appoint you a musketeer. But, but you're already wearing the uniform. I, I was not certain of your intention, sire. So I put it on so you could see how well I look in it. <laughs> you are an anxious young man. Tell me, 
In exactly what manner did you serve us in France? Sire, it was a question of love. Of love, Your Majesty. Love? Of one of the Queen's ladies, Mademoiselle Constance. But I'm afraid she will not have me unless I'm a member of the great camaraderie, Sire. A fourth musketeer. Deal, Monsieur d'Artagnan. Your Majesty. I, Louis, King of France, appoint you, D'Artagnan, one of my musketeers, to love, to live, to fight for France. Your Majesty, I serve you with my life, and Mademoiselle Constance, I serve forever. We found for years and years no folk can hide his fears. When faced by musketeers, he wisely disappears. War and daring we are ever sharing. Strangers through danger, indeed. To laugh and love and serve the king and live for his free To kiss a maid or sack a town or ride a bowman down. As one for all and all for one, we stand upon united we. Dorothy Warren Scholl will be back in just a moment. Meanwhile, our very heartfelt thanks to the other members of our cast, Francis X. Bushman, Bill Conrad, Ted DeCorsia, Bill Johnstone, Carlton Young, and to our entire company. The Three Musketeers with book by William Anthony McGuire, lyrics by P.G. Wodehouse and Clifford Gray, and music by Rudolph Frimmel, was dramatized for the Railroad Hour by Lawrence and Lee. And now here again is our delightful leading lady, Dorothy Warren Scholl. Wasn't that romantic, though? Well, it certainly was, Dorothy. Frankly, I swashed the buckle right off my belt. (laughs) It certainly is good to have you back, though, Dorothy. You know, we we really consider you part of our railroad family. Well, thank you, Gordon. And, of course, you know I never miss one of your broadcasts. Tell me, what can I listen to next week? Well, sir, maybe Benzel will be our guest, Dorothy. And we're presenting the delightful Romberg-Hammerstein operetta... East Wind. Well, now, that sounds like a nice, breezy show. <laughs> Good night, Gordon. Well, you come back real soon, Dorothy. All aboard. Sir, it looks like we're ready to pull out and so on to next Monday night. And East Wind, this is Gordon McRae saying goodbye. <laughs> The Three Musketeers was presented by special arrangement with the Tams Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae can be seen starring in Warner Brothers Starlift. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroads. Now keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. Hear the voice of Firestone with Eugene Conley next on NBC. WNBC AM and FM, New York.